process bad memories, how to remember good memories, and what God has given us to help us with that, and in particular talking about the communion, the Lord's Supper. And I haven't fully developed my thinking on this, so a bit like Shah had a sermon a week, a month or two ago, where he was basically saying, I haven't figured it out, but I'm thinking out loud right now, um, which I really liked. And I'm still, I'm in a bit of that place myself in terms of the way that memory works. Why has God given us memory? So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first of all, some thoughts, sweet childhood memories. What's one of your, let's have a little sharing here. One of your sweet childhood memories, when you were, you know, very young and you just remember something really, just you, you cherish that memory from when you were very young. You got one? When you were young and, and all that. So, yeah, Sean. One of my earliest memories is about the age of four, playing in the gravel outside my grandparents' farmhouse. And there were, there used to be their kind of, um, pets, goats, who would be playing around and looking over the, the, the door, the back door. So I don't remember much of the house. And I remember there was a lemon, oh, sorry, an orange orchard who would walk through and pick oranges. And there were the goats, and there was the gravel, and there was a canal that I could play in if it wasn't coming down because I opened something and I might drown. But those are the earliest happy memories. Goats, oranges, gravel, gravel. Yep. And an old telephone used to turn that way. Wow. And you'd go, uh, number please, like operating would ask. And, yeah. I think you were that old. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very backwards community. Okay. Uh, well, South Africa only got TV, you know. Massive, massively off. I actually think there are still places in South Africa with the operator. Sorry. 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 Other sweet childhood memories. Anybody else? Go on. Dad? Playing in the street with um, my friends and my friend's dad's we used to play dad's versus last cricket. Okay. So all my friends who were my neighbours, other dads just come out in the summer. And they were all called Uncle 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 E, Uncle Marmo, Uncle. It's great. People just get a milk crate out and play cricket. And there's something quite amazing about playing cricket with your dad and your dad first, the lads. Right, right. Something quite, you know, everyone would be a dad, so to me, it's just so funny. Excellent. It's the only time you play and get football to be honest with and make it told off because. Oh, that's what I was saying. Anyway, they were the worst in the lives. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a fantastic memory, Bill. It's a long time ago. I, I don't have many memories, but we had a four-story Victorian terrace in Inverness. Mm. And we used to, I don't they do it now, but you get a hanky and you tie four pieces of string and put a little weight on it. We used to chuck it out of the top story and then slide down the banister to try and catch it at the bottom. <laughs> I can remember, my earliest memory was when my sister was born. And I was two years, 11 months old. And I know that because I gave birth that night too to a baby called Helen. Because I remember waking up the next morning and there lying next to me was Helen. So oh. I had birth to Helen overnight, and my wow. mom came back with Jessica. <laughs> and then I, you know, I could then imitate my mother. You just gave birth in your sleep. I, yeah. I, 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 I can remember. <laughs> 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 <
very talented. <laughs> 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 His early memories, his early sweet memories do stay with you, don't they? Mm. They really do. Um, uh, so this is not me, this is Linnea, mm. our daughter, our now married daughter, amazing to think about. Um, but around this age, I love, this is one of my favourite pictures of Linnea. About this age, when I was about her age, I should say, uh, I had a tricycle, rather like that. And we lived at the top of a slope in Basingstoke. And I loved that slope because you could go down it really fast, right? And it was a, a fence at the bottom, it was a dead end. Um, I fell off one time, grazed, took all the skin off one of my knees, and I ran back to my mother. And I remember her picking me up and putting me on the, um, the air dryer. We didn't have a tumble dryer in those days, it was like a, yeah. an air dryer, you know what I'm saying? Mean? sitting me on that and putting a plaster, sticking plaster on my knee, and off I went. And I went straight back out on the tricycle, went down the hill and fell off again and grazed all the skin off the other knee. And I ran back again and she put a plaster on, on that knee. And I remember the smell of the, the, that sort of cleaning ointment. TCP kind of thing yeah. or something like that, that smell. I remember the plasters and I remember, I remember the whole instance, it's my earliest, I think it's my earliest memory. Specifically, and I told my mother recently, I remember that, she said, oh yeah, she said, I saw you fall off. You fell off, grazed your knee, looked at it, started running back to the house, and as soon as you saw me, you started crying. Mommy, help me! <laughs> Apparently I was fine until I saw my mother. <laughs> um, so, I, there are sweet memories we have from childhood. There are some tough memories as well, right? And I didn't want us to share those right now because of a downer, but, um, but they're real, right? And, there are, and there's a reason why we have these memories, which is basically, I think, because they are connected with strong sense, a sense of emotion. Mm. There's very strong emotions connected. We remember things where strong emotions are involved. On 9-11, I was in Belfast on a retreat for staff members, and so happened we were in Belfast, a place associated with terrorism, mm. when the, the, the Twin Towers were struck. These are some photographs I took that day, not knowing what was about to happen later in the day. This is one of those dividing walls between Protestant and Catholic areas. And uh, this is RPG Avenue, Rocket Propelled Grenade Avenue, as someone had turned it. Um, and I have a number of others. The, sorry about the quality of the pictures. That was my first ever digital camera back in the day. But um, I remember exactly where I was when someone ran up to us and said, have you heard what's happened? I remember exactly. I remember what I felt. I remember who I was with. And the rest of the day, we were due to play five-a-side football. And that afternoon, we had a court booked. We all went and played, but none of us could enjoy it. We met with the church that night. We had a class planned with the Belfast. We had all this. It didn't feel. It was a very strange feeling that day. Certain things stick in the memory. Certain things stick in the memory, and we're glad they stick in the memory. And certain things stick in the memory, and we'd really rather they didn't. What do we do uh, with these things? Perhaps the question we want, <coughs> fundamentally we should ask ourselves is, why did God create us with a memory? I mean, God had a choice, right? How he made us function. Animals don't seem to have a memory in the same way that we have a memory, that they're able to reflect on in quite the same way we do. Why do, why do we have? Why create us with a memory, given that memory can be troublesome as well as, as helpful? Well, I'm going to give you the Malcolm um, best guess I have at this point as to why I think 
God gave us a memory, the basic underlying reason, I think. I think God gives us, enables us, gives us a memory to enable us to create a better future. To enable us to create a better future or a healthier future, by which I mean not only uh, it could be a better future for people around us, it could be a better future for our family, it could be a better future for us, it could be a more Christ-like version of us, uh, a, a version of us that's growing. Because without memory, I'm not sure how we learn. Mm. But the point of learning is to grow and develop and change. So perhaps one of the main reasons why we have memory is so that we can have a better tomorrow. And that can be a better tomorrow because of memories about tough stuff and memories that are pleasant and we're glad that we have. A better future depends on a healthily remembered past. Not an unhealthily remembered past, but a healthily remembered and processed past. That's, it depends on that. Now let's think about how, for a minute, how God uses things to help us with memory. So take the Old Testament for a moment. What did God do in the Old Testament days to help his people <coughs> to remember the right things? In the Old Testament, Patricia. Um, well, he will freed the um, Israelites from Egypt. Okay. And, and he obviously wants them to always remember what he'd done with pillar of fire by night and cloud by night. Okay, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. Yeah. Those were helpful tools, yes? yes? Good, yeah. Only enough food for one day when you pick it up. Okay, just enough for one day to remind them who they need and the manner each day, yes? Well, lots of things that he implemented in terms of traditions. Okay. So, for example, to help you understand the impact of your sin, you actually have to kill something. Mm -hmm. So that kind of the connection of seeing the consequences of your actions in terms of separate, mm -hmm. you've got to get killed certain large numbers of animals. With Practical things. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You were involved in that. Yeah. Tithing of the crops. Tithing. Okay. Yeah. Crops. Circumcision. Circumcision. It would be not something you'd easily forget. No. Okay. I hadn't thought of that one. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. What else did God do? Pastor would like to do lots of different sort of ceremonies, lots of different festivals, so like Passover, Tabernacles. Yeah. Building those booths in your back garden and all that, right? Lots of festivals, lots of things like that. Good. Anything else? Ten Commandments. Commandments. Now, here's the thing. You gave them the Ten Commandments, but then how did they remember? What, what was the mechanism? On a tablet. Right. In. Stone. Stone. On stone, put in the Ark of the Covenant, put in the temple. Yes. A temple. Tabernacle first, then, yeah. then a temple. Physical. <coughs> Lots of physical things. Um, at other times, uh, oh, the rainbow. Mm. Okay. The rainbow. Um, piles of stones, sometimes, yeah. uh, people used and God, God used that, told them to do that from time to time. Lots of practical physical things. Now, <coughs> New Testament. Physical healing. What do you think of that God gave his people to remind them of things that they went to? I think it's only that one thing. Just that one, right? The Lord's Supper. Old Testament, quite a lot of different things. New Testament, one. I think it's the only practical, physical thing we're commanded to do, to, to, to act, to enact. Isn't that an interesting thing? Doesn't indicate how significant it is that we do this. And it's done, as we'll talk about in a moment, 
um, in remembrance. In fact, let's go to the scripture, the key scripture here, Luke 22. And let's re refresh our memory about what this is about. Luke 22, verse 14 and following. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine at, uh, on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would, who would do this. And we'll, we'll stop there for the moment. So, this is an interesting thing. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's think about the context of this meal for a moment. What's going on? What's going on in their lives, Jesus and his disciples? What's going on in the city of Jerusalem? What's going on here? What's the background? What's the context to, to what's going on? It's Passover. Okay. This is some kind of version of a Passover meal. Not, not exactly a Passover meal, because Jesus does something wrong <laughs> compared to how a Passover meal would be done. He, he re redefines what's going on here. But we'll come back to that. <coughs> it is Passover. What does that mean? It means that we're celebrating um, and remembering the time mm -hmm. when God saved them from Egypt. The Exodus, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Patricia, right? It's the Exodus that they're remembering God rescuing them, God forming them into a nation, God calling them to be his own. Okay, that's Passover. What else is going on? Here in this context. Of course, Jesus was almost at the height of his, in their mind, it's, they know that he's the Messiah. Yeah. Even when he came in at that point, it might have been a pivotal point. They might have been thinking, yes, it's really going to happen now. Yes. Everyone's worshipping him and praising yes. him. So I think he was preparing them for what was coming, that they, maybe their hearts weren't there. They thought it was yes. a different type of saving that was going to go on. Excellent. So he's, he's, he's understanding their expectations. Yeah. He's actually got slightly different, different expectations. Different ones for them, yeah. And it is coming to a head. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yeah. There's a betrayal. There's a betrayal coming. Mm -hmm. And there's moment. tensions building before that, yeah. There's tensions. Mm -hmm. And what else is happening this eve, this, this session? This eve's not, you know, that's, this passage isn't everything that's happening while they're together, right? Do you remember what else is happening? And maybe some of this mentioned in the other Gospels. He tells Peter you're going to see his, his you'll, you'll betray me. He'll betray me, yes. You, you'll, and he gives yeah. permission to Judas, too. <laughs> yes, he does. Mm. Okay. <coughs> Interesting things going on with Peter, with Judas. Anything else? So, Simon? I think Jesus is getting ready to be, you know, to be sacrificed, you know. Um, yes. You know, um, saying goodbye, if you like, in some respect. Saying goodbye. Saying, this, is, this is it, guys, you know. Yeah. This is the 
trying to push all of this. Yes. 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 So in this context, it's a very intense, very intense evening. Uh, there are a hundred thousand extra people in Jerusalem because of Passover. The city is bursting at the seams, which is why Jesus says, uh, go and prepare a place. He needs a place to be prepared for <coughs> Passover. He is going to have with his disciples. Uh, what's what? Watford's about a hundred thousand, so it's maybe like doubling the population of Watford. Just imagine trying to walk around and get stuff done uh, in Watford. So there's, there's a lot of people around. It's very tense and intense. He's uh, washed their feet, right? John 13. He's washed their feet. There's tension because of the knowledge that someone's going to betray them and they don't know, betray him and they don't know who it is, though Jesus does. Peter's got misunderstandings. There are a lot of fearful events looming. Um, and it's, it's the end, really. Um, so, with all of that in mind, I'm going to ask us to just chat together with people around you for a moment here. With the question, what do you think, why do you think God gave us the Lord's Supper as the one and only repeated act to help us remember Jesus? Can I put this on a slide? I did. Okay. Why do you think God gave us the Lord's Supper, the communion that we take each week, as the one and only repeated act? To help us to remember Jesus. Who's that? Let's have a few responses. Bromley. <laughs> we cracked um, it, so that's why that's why she's very yeah. No, we're just wondering that all the things we mentioned previously yes. almost culminate in Jesus. Uh-huh. So okay. the idea of the tabernacle and the temple with the curtain cut when he yes. died. So you access God through Jesus. Yes, he's our great high priest. We don't need priests. Exactly. Yes. Like the you know, circumcision, you know, the laws being written on your heart now as opposed mm -hmm. to eating on the stone tablets. All the festivals kind of, mm -hmm. Jesus gets rid of all the sacrifices, you don't have it anymore. It's almost like mm. everything from the, from the past is kind of mm. met in Jesus. So by remembering Jesus, you yeah. remember all the kind of principles that, mm. that the Old Testament okay. faith. And you eat me kind of day. And you eat. So, okay. So Fair enough. And also we just thought too that the, the way Judaism was at the time was lots of rules. So <coughs> between the two testaments, mm -hmm. there have been lots of rules. So if there was a whole other set of rules that wouldn't have been the simple faith that we were caught to, I think it would have been more confusing mm -hmm. in a time mm -hmm. with lots of rules to okay. more. Simpler. Good. Thank you. Uh, so other thoughts? That was basically it. What were you saying? That's why she was so keen to go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. We were given baptism as an act, but it's a one-time. Whereas to do this as often as you eat and drink it, yeah. do this in remembrance. Yeah, and baptism and communion, I mean the death, Resurrection and you know. I like the other one that we missed from um, the fact that the body of you know the, the bread, which is the body, which is us. You know, I like the connection with unity. Mm -hmm. 
in the community as well. Yes. I mean, indeed, I mean, if we had time, we would go to the passages in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, which is the only other place in chapter 11 where it says, it quotes this and says, do this in remembrance of this. And there it's about helping the body to be united because the Corinthians are divided. And so this body of Christ, but also this body we're, we're sharing in as bread is uniting us. Um, that's something to do with the background, if you like, as well. Um, yeah, any other thoughts? Or we'll, I've got a couple of... Okay, was mentioning about the fact that maybe Jesus was a bit more forward thinking and couldn't really imagine us killing animals today, so he tried to make it simple for us because he knew that in time to come we wouldn't really find it that easy to be killing animals and sacrificing. Yes. Yeah, we were saying the same yeah. and about the simplicity of bread and wine, which is so readily available. Yes, and yes. you know, especially on the yeah, the easier to make. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that it's not even that ex expensive. Mm. You know, mm. to be able to no, it's not to just have it. Right. And given that there is no temple to go to mm. now, you, to, to do something you can do in your own home, mm. whenever you gather with a few people, makes sense. Simple, as somebody said. I only share a couple of thoughts about perhaps, I don't know if this answers all of the question I'm asking here, but I think it's two reasons at least that stand out to me as to why it's important we do this and what it's meant to do. Um, as we think about the context again, so bottom right here, washing of feet. John 13, which we won't study, study now, but as you know, that's the washing of the feet. And there's, there's something going on there where Jesus is demonstrating what it means to be a servant. Indeed, in this passage in Luke 22, right after he says the bit we just um, read, Right, right after the part we just read in verse 24, it says the dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. I mean, right after he's just given them the instructions about the Lord's Supper, they start arguing about who's the greatest, and he says the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, you're not to be like that, um, you're to be one who comes to serve, and so on. He emphasizes the serving uh, aspect of what's going on here, both in the washing of the feet and in his instructions to them when they are talking about who's the greatest. And that's happening in the context of this actual institution of the Lord's Supper, of him saying, this is what you need to do in remembrance of me. So it seems to me that communion is meant to convey to us and remind us very powerfully of the servant nature of Jesus Christ. And that's what solves most church community problems. Most church community problems are solved by people deciding we're all just here to serve one another. It doesn't solve everything, but it must solve most of our challenges. And that's why when the challenges in Corinth come up, and Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians about their challenge, where they're, they're getting drunk at church services, they've got uh, members of the church taking other members of, church, of the church to court, um, the rich Christians are uh, eating and the poor Christians are going hungry, um, they, their services are a, are a mess, and, a, 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 and you know, now and again we make mistakes in our worship, well, they have people just standing up and shouting things and speaking over each other, and I mean, it was a complete mess. And what does he do? He makes them focus on the communion. 
That's really the core of the whole of his whole argument about how you can be united and be healthy in your relationships. It's about the one body. So there's something about the physical act of taking communion together that reminds us together that we're to be like Christ in, that we're here to serve one another. That makes a body strong. It makes a body of people strong. It makes a community strong when we're reminded that we're here to be servants of one another. So part of what's going on when we take communion every week is we're being reminded, uh, I'm here for you, not for me. I'm part of this for you. I'm here to serve you, not to be served. I think that's part of what's going on. And the second part of it, I think, is this, um, connected with the washing of the feet, is Jesus is giving us a reminder of his death on the cross, the shedding of blood, the breaking of his body and the bread and the, and the wine, to remind us of his love. I think it's a reminder of love. One thing that perplexed me a little bit thinking about this was why, why are we given the communion to remind us of the death of Christ rather than something that reminds us, as a physical act, of his resurrection? Like, in a sense, isn't the resurrection, that's the consummation of where this is all going, mm -hmm. the empty tomb, the, new, the, the risen Lord. Why, why aren't we given, I don't know what it would be, but why aren't we given some kind of thing to enact that is focused on the resurrection, but instead we're, giving some, given us, we're given something sort of physical to do that reminds us of the death, the cross. And I, I can't quite figure this out. Why that more so than the resurrection? My only thought at this point, and I'm open to ideas, my only thought at this point is that perhaps the key thing for us to remember is the love of Christ more than the power of Christ. Or the love of Christ more than the power of God in some way, although of course that's part of where that is going. But perhaps if we remember the cross, we will remember the resurrection. Perhaps we could get too excited about the power in the resurrection and get focused on that and then forget what what called what brought it what caused it because without the the love and the sacrifice represented by the blood and the the, the body and the, the the bread and the wine reminding us of the sacrifice we wouldn't have the resurrection and as human beings we can get a bit caught up in the power and the strength and the and if we forget what it what it took to get that there we might miss the point and you know there are types of Christianity, so to speak, which focus a lot more on the, you know, you can be wealthy, you can be healthy, you can be strong. God is designed and wants you to be, you know, perfect. And, but actually, it's about serving and it's about the sacrifice that gives us new life. So, I haven't quite figured that out, but I, I think that's an interesting thing. And perhaps it's to remind us of love. To remind us of the love and the serving nature of Christ more than anything else. Kate? I think the death, his death moves our hearts. Mm. Okay. His mm. mm. death moves our hearts. Maybe the resurrection inspires our hearts, but maybe more in his mind thing. Hearts prone to getting calm. Hearts to get calm. Yes. So this hopefully is something. <coughs> This communion is something that helps us to what to re-soften our hearts mm -hmm. once a week. Connect to our sin and our and 
It does humble us. And I, would, I think it's a very important component. I don't think it's the most important component, component of communion because he doesn't say, remember your sins. Mm. He says, remember me. Mm. So I agree with you that it's part of it. Mm. And I think the bigger thing is Jesus yeah. himself. Yeah? Love, love is more of a motivator as well. And yeah. when the, even the Bible does say, you know, these three, you know, love mm. remains. Mm. Love is. So I, I can see why we would be reminded more of Jesus' love that took him to the cross, his love for us that took him to the cross. And it's, it's what stays with you more, even mm -hmm. in those low times, than, I suppose, the idea of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, the love, love is the... Love's a better motivator, and it's what we're meant to be motivated yeah. by. And this attaches us, connects us more yeah. to the love that God, Jesus has yeah. for us. Excellent. Well, what we're going to do now, I've got a couple of concluding thoughts, but I want to share those whilst we have bread and, and uh, the wine in our hands. So if we could pass out the bread now and the little cups of whatever juice we have and hold on to those for a moment. Don't, don't take them just yet. And then we're going to do this in our groups. So stay in your group because we're starting to talk about and then we'll take the bread, which I'll explain in just a moment. Memories shape. Memories we hold on to. Oh, thank you very much. The memories we hold on to shape our future. They're in the past, but the ones we hold on to shape our future. Communion, this, remembrance of Jesus, shapes our future week. It hasn't come yet, but this time of remembering his sacrifice, his serving of us, his love for us, shapes our week. It can do that. So in our small groups, for a few moments, just for a minute or two, what I'd like us to do is Talk about what you admire about Jesus that you want to remember this week. What is it you want to remember about Jesus this week? What do you admire about Jesus that you want to remember? And then, so if we can discuss that for a couple of minutes in our groups, then I'm going to pray in about two minutes, and then we'll take bread and wine together. Let's pray. Father, we, we're sitting here with bread in our hands and some wine in our, and a cup in our hands, just, just thinking about something that happened 2,000 years ago that changed the world and, and still has an impact today on us and people around us. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus so much. We want to thank you that we have this command to remember him. And we pray that what we remember about him this week will be helpful for us. We pray that you'll help us to remember what's helpful and not to hold on to that which isn't. And we pray that you'll help us to remember that like the Israelites called on that Passover, remembering their word, that they become a chosen people, that we'd remember that we were chosen by you. That as they became a nation of priests, that we would remember that we'd become a royal priesthood. That as uh, we remember that we've been called to be a holy nation and that we are your special possession. And we are your special possession so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are your people, God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We thank you for the servant heart of Jesus. We thank you for his sacrificial love. 
And we pray that we would live this week in admiration of Jesus and imitating his heart for the people around us and for the world that so much needs this message of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.